What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Music Industry Hangs. My name is Stu Watts. I'm here, as always, with Bennett Ferguson, Coach Steve Canatelli. And uh, this week's guest, we have Supreme. Welcome. Nah, thank you very much. Yeah, Thanks nice. for having me. How you doing, man? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, not bad. Feeling, feeling good. Uh, another big day at work, so pretty tired, but um, <laughs> yeah. It's starting to get hot here, so you know we're pushing the mid thirties now. So every day it's pretty ah, bit of a slog, but yeah, lucky you, there. man. Lucky you. So <laughs> yeah, jealous. yeah, yeah. Oh man, I, I do miss the Melbourne weather. I tell you that much. Like I do miss the uh, the hot. Then it just pisses down with rain. I do miss that. But um, yeah, it's it's, it's it gets a bit unbearable when you're working in it. But hey, I'm lucky to be working and lucky to be where I am. So I'm feeling yeah, blessed. Nice. And what Tell do you do for a day job, man? Uh, I'm a chippy by trade, but I, yeah, I just work in civil construction. So we do everything from uh, concreting, formwork, uh, steel fixing, operating machines and that. So um, yeah, we work on sort of large scale civil projects here in the gold fields in Kalgoorlie. So um, yeah, it's, it's long, long weeks, you know, usually like, I think it was uh, last week I was off sick. I got real, real crook, but the week before I did about 80, 85 hours or something between that range. Mm-hmm. That's, that's sort of a, a big, big week, but most weeks are about 65 to 70 hours. That's a standard week for us. So I can't remember when I worked 38 hours last, to be honest. So, Jesus. Yeah. Well, tell us, tell us <laughs> yeah. a little bit about your, your music uh, and like how you started and, you know, what, for anyone that doesn't know you, what style of music, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, oh, man, I, I've always loved, I suppose, music. I grew up with a, uh, with a kiss and ACDC loving father and uh, Prince and Michael Jackson loving mother. So I was, I was blessed to have sort of both sides um, of, of music. Um, but yeah, the journey started, it would have been probably about four or five years ago now. I went and saw uh, Schoolboy Q at Festival Hall. And I remember watching B Wise and DJ Classic, who's my favourite uh, Australian DJ. And um, I was like, "Oh, that'll be me in a couple of years." And I said it to my sister and my partner. I was like, "That'll be me in a few years." And um, yeah, and then just sort of started DJing, and then got into producing, and got into mi- mixing with sounds and fiddling with sounds, and then. Um, Dead set a year to that date, I actually got booked to support Joyner Lucas at Festival Hall, but unfortunately he um, he cancelled because he had uh, throat issues or something. But that was sort of the start of the, or just after I suppose where the journey started to really take off. And um, a lot of my music, I started off trying to make stuff that everyone wanted to listen to. You know, like I wanted to, I wanted to be like a Wheezy out of here or or someone like that. And or a, or a Jetson made, you know, another producer or Metro Boomin, but it just I had to stick to my my um, my calling, and it's it's the old school and lo-fi style boom bap beats are sort of my bread and butter, and um, I've stuck with that ever since. But um, I make a bit of everything. I did a house project this year just because I got sick of going into the files on my phone to listen to it. Um, <laughs> so I just thought, I thought, fuck it, I'll just put it online. I'll put it, I'll put it on Spotify, so I don't have to do it anymore. And, and producer and life. <laughs> yeah, it's like if people listen, people listen. If and if they if they like it, they do it. They that's good. If they don't, then I don't really give a fuck to be honest. Yeah, nice. And it just it worked. It worked quite well. I got good feedback, and um, yeah. So I mean, I I I just sort of make now what I want, you know. So it's it's not really trying to please other people. 
Um, it's just sort of attracting the right ears by making music that my ears are uh, appealed by. So that's all I do now. I just, yeah, sort of work with a few artists here and there and I'm um, sort of starting to branch out a bit more and doing that. But a lot of my stuff's just lo-fi edits and, and beat packs, you, you almost call them, but I try to make them a bit, um, a bit more of like a journey or a story, you know, add in snippets from old movies and, and bits and pieces or stick with a certain theme. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, and then now it's taken me to, um, this upcoming project, which is very, very exciting. And, um, the journey has been to this point has been quite a journey up and down and low highs and lows, but, um, I wouldn't change it. I'd do it all again, you know? So, yeah. Right now there, yeah, we'll bring up this um, project, which fucking bangs in a minute. Um, yeah. But I wanted to um, just touch on, I guess, that transition from DJing then into producing. Um, yeah. Because I mean, even now, the way you speak about tracks, like you've been in the game for a bit. Um, like, you know, kind of what's going on in the sound. You're comfortable in yourself as an artist, as a producer. Um, how, I guess, in the, day, in the early days, like that's a pretty good time span to go a year to getting booked for a festival hall gig. Um, yeah. Like, how long were you DJing for? And then, I guess, was the transition into production natural? Is that where do you feel more at home in the studio producing beats? You know, do you still see yourself playing live? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I miss it every day. Um, it was that probably the three, four years that I took it, did it real full on was, was probably some of the best times I've ever had. Um, you know, I got to DJ with Kay Trinata at an after party for like, we, did, we went back to back. I got photos of him and I in the booth, you know, going track for track, back to back um, with him and Lou Phelps, who's his cousin, who's a MC. And we're just having so much fun, man. Like there's memories like that. You won't forget um, just from that to playing, you know, being, bringing in the new year at Crown Casino. Uh, I think it was about two years after I uh, started DJing and in the R&B room there. And that was, that was incredible. And just, just, I suppose just the people you meet as well. Um, it's taken me to some incredible places. I, I did a headline tour of Bali where I played like Cocoon Beach Club and Single Fin and um, La Favela and, and Mira and all these, you know, well-known places in Bali. And then also went to Atlanta and I was there for a few weeks and did one or two shows there and networked a lot with artists and got to meet the likes of, you know, like KY, who's a uh, well-known engineer. He's, he's 2 chains, Little Wayne's, um, and Little Wayne, sorry, main sound engineer. So to be in his studio was incredible. But, yeah, the transition was pretty, was pretty easy, I suppose. Like, um, it didn't take me long to l sort of learn DJing. I gave myself – I remember I bought decks on Australia Day uh, just after seeing Schoolboy Q, I think I saw him in the in November the year before, and on the Australia Day long weekend the year after, I bought Dex, and then I said to myself, every day I'm going to dedicate three hours for three months. So every day, like without fail, I could work a full day. I could even on weekends, I'd do three hours every day on two vinyl turntables and a mixer. Wasn't pioneer or nothing. It was just standard, you know, just to get what I could, and and I, yeah, just taught myself, and um, I did one or two. Lessons, I suppose you'd call it, with a ex DMC champion DJ Relic, who was around back in the day, and yeah, he was um, going to be handy. Yeah, so I, I just he actually lived not too far from me, and and he taught me a few bits and pieces. But he said, you know, you've got the groove, you've got the ear, you've got the rhythm, you just got to sort of make it happen. And um, yeah, just just sort of exploded. And then I got bored, and I was like, you know, I'd play some sets, I'd play half on my laptop, half on USBs. 
other sets, I'd, you know, I'd play one deck would be USB, one would be laptop. Like I just got bored and it was just, I always wanted to just get better and better. And I wanted everything to sound like a mixtape. Like I didn't want it to sound like it was live. I wanted it to sound like almost like you'd recorded it, but still with live elements, you know, like I'd always find edits of tracks with like explosions or gunshots or whatever, just to add a little bit of hype or, or cool edits or do some of my own edits just to add flair. But I think I carried that into my producing, you know, I think I carry that in is just, nothing was ever planned. I've never planned to set. Everything was off the cuff. Um, and I just, yeah, I don't think people realize how much I actually studied it and, and took the time. Like I'd always get to a gig an hour before to hear the DJ before me. So I knew what I was up against, even if it was my friend or my mate. And then I'd still hang around. And then if I had time, if I had time, I'd hang around an hour after all the rest of the night and listen to all the other DJs. So I knew what I had to do like I'd see crowd reactions to certain songs for them or how they transition certain songs. So I'd go back to the drawing book and, and almost I'd try and mimic their mixes and then be like, how can I better that mix? So, you know, I'd add another edit in or I'd, I'd scratch over it or it was just, yeah, it became a bit of a sickness, I suppose you'd call it. Like it was just an obsession, but um, yeah, the transition then into beat making and producing was quite easy because I always found that I could pick, sounds that work really well even with DJing it wasn't just a, it wasn't very stop start sets that I played it was quite quite smooth you know and um yeah so I just sort of carried that and don't get me wrong it took me a lot of time to to get good at producing but still not good yet still learning but um yeah oh, it's, just, fucking, it's well yeah. and truly getting there and I think that yeah, style definitely thanks, transitioned into this project even like the um just having skits throughout it it's got like the intro yeah. skit um, it's not just a straight, you know, track, stop, track, stop. Like there is a yeah. feel, you get a feel for it. There's a vibe for it. It does take you on that journey. Um, so, I mean, you're definitely fucking doing all the right things there. Walk, yeah, us, no, walk us through this thanks, project, bro. man. Tell us a little bit um, about it. Yeah, the project. Well, I mean, I took a break from producing for a while. Um, What's it called again? What's the uh, single? Tell that, us about the single that's coming out. Oh, the single that's coming out is First Verse. So that's with... Uh, that's with a friend of mine, uh, Hennessy. We've been friends for about 15 years. We went to school together. We were like the guys who got paired up on the first day. <laughs> and it was, you know, and like he was, he, was the, he was the cool dude. And like I was just like the, like the chubby white guy who liked a little bit of hip hop, you know. And he was the cool, he was a cool dude. And we just got along ever since. He's like, he's like my brother, you know. We've, we've been through a lot together. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's just exciting to finally have something out with him. I mean, that's, that's he's probably the main reason I started producing. Um, and he's always pushed me to be, <clears throat> to, to, to follow my dreams. I suppose it would be, you know, when, when it came to DJing and everything and he was always at gigs and, and supporting and trying to network for me as well. So, um, but no, it's an exciting track. It's, it's very old school. Um, it's him telling a story from his perspective that I never thought anyone else would ever hear. Um, we share quite a close connection and I've probably only ever heard him talk like that around me. So to hear him portray that in this song is, is incredible. Um, but yeah, it's got visuals for it and everything as well. So, you know, like that, that's another exciting element. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it's a, I think it's just fitting like this project's the first project that I've taken, I suppose, a bit more serious and, and want to go a little bit further with and um, 
And then to have also him who's been by my side the whole time um, to sort of put him at the forefront and, and try and, you know, start it off with a bang was a, was a <clears throat> big plan of mine. So, yeah, it's just, it's exciting. It's, it's a cool track. It's, it's, um, it's old school, boom, bit of boom bap, bit offbeat, the kind of beat that it is. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just all sort of come together. Well, we've been sitting on that track for ages. We recorded that like two years ago and we never really did anything with it. So, um, but it was always my favourite track that we ever recorded. We've got a whole project, to be honest, that we've never, ever dropped, which I think would, uh, would change quite a few things as well. It's a, it's a proper hip-hop album, um, which I have no doubt will come out one day. But it's all just timing. But I think it's about time people start to hear him as well because he is very talented. Um, I think he's, I've always said, he's one of the best up and coming, as, especially for a conscious rapper and a, and a, and a, and a, and a pure MC. Um, yeah, he's one of the best to come up and start doing it. So, yeah, do it's pretty you, exciting. For your project, do you have people that you look for um, intentionally to fill um, certain songs or does it happen quite organically? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, oh, everyone on the project, I, I have a connection with, so, um, just, I might as well say, so everyone knows there's three artists from Atlanta and there's three artists from Australia on it. Um, three artists from Australia is Cage Bird, uh, Cage Soul, sorry, which is made up of Cage Bird and, uh, Monk to Soul. And then you've got, uh, Buddy Ryan and Hennessy. So I've known, I met Buddy through Henny. Um, and I've always loved Buddy's stuff. We always we had an immediate connection, and we just got along really well. Um, and his his wordplay and his, I suppose his presence on a track's incredible. So it's awesome to be working with him. Um, Cage Soul are just funky dudes. I I, I love them. Like I, I fell in love. I'm fairly certain it was. Um, it would have been like a few years into DJing. I met uh, Cage Bird, who's the part of that group. Um, he he was freestyling at a lo-fi night that I used to try and go to when I was making lo-fi beats to see how people made lo-fi. And he was freestyling over a beat and I was like, this dude's incredible. And I'd had a few drinks. So I was like, fuck, oh, I'm real chatty, you know? <laughs> so I went up and so I went up and was like, dude, you were, you were awesome. Bro. And we just connected from there. And the two dude, those like, cage told, they just got, they, they just got awesome hearts, you know? And they're, they're, they're guys who want to, they make it for love and they'll they'll take any reward that that comes their way but it's they're not doing it for that they're doing it for the love and i think that shows through their through them on these tracks as well and through their own solo work it's um they yeah i think they're incredible and i'm excited to be working with them and obviously hennessy we touched on before and then the three artists from atlanta i met when i was in atlanta um which is duca dope diana and, and jay alston jay alston and i've got a project out already and a track called Chico, which we dropped early days after I left Atlanta and it's more of a trap banger, um, but it's done well on Spotify and it's sort of got us a bit of exposure in them. And they're all very talented as well. Um, Duke is, Duke is incredible. Diana's just, she's sort of like a no name. She can sort of do those harmonies and also spit. And then you got Jay Alston, who's a very versatile artist, but I don't, I, I, I'm very picky with who I work with. I have to know them. Um, and have to or have to have a connection with their music because otherwise, you know, there's I, I can't. Music make brings me joy, and I want it to bring other people joy. But there's no joy in just sending someone a beat and then them going, "Yeah, cool, I'll do this." Cheers, man. Like, there's no fun in that. It's rather like you know, I prefer I prefer the journey rather than the end product because 
the journey, if the journey's full of fulfilling and full of, and full of positivity, then the, the end result's always going to be the exact same as that journey. But if the journey is not like that, and it's very, um, how do you put it like very fake and, and, and forced, then your end product's going to sound fake and, and forced. So I always try and keep a good relationship with the artists that I work with. And so like, basically like when Marshall sent me your tracks, I was like, Holy shit. Like this <laughs> is absolutely incredible. Like, so you, coming man. from the DJ world into that, I mean, the songwriting I found like absolutely exceptional. Um, how did you transition or how did you learn to songwrite? Where did that come from? Because it's actually quite exceptional for somebody who's, you know, um, just transitioned over. Yeah. Oh, I mean, look, the, oh, it's hard. Like the beat, a beat can always, it's, it's, it goes one or two ways. This is just my opinion. The beat, will either make the song or, or the artist will make the song. So you can't have something that is too, like the amount of times I hear shit and I'm like, fuck, this MC is terrible, but the <laughs> beat's so good. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, yeah, like that 808's on, like, is, is perfect. But then I'm like, what is this dude saying? But then you go the other way and it's like a really good artist who's, you know, whether they're speaking conscious or whether they've just got like, you know, that, that mumble rap flow, which is so appealing as well, but the beats trash. So it's, it's, I suppose in my sense, it's like everything that I make has to complement some form of an artist. Like it has to, it's hard to explain. It's like, I have to make sure that it's quality, but then I have to make sure that when the artist jumps on it, they do their quality as well because I, I don't ever want to put any tarnish on my name, but I don't ever want to put any tarnish on an artist's name as well. So is that mutual respect almost, there? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a respect. It's, 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 you know, it's like, I'm a chippy. Like I don't come to your house to go, yeah, I'll build you a deck and then I'll build the frame and don't lay any boards. You know, like I, <laughs> I make sure that the whole product is, you know, it's nice and polished and the boards are perfectly apart. It's just doing the same with. I love that analogy. Yeah, yeah, it's the exact same with making music. I mean, it's it's got to be it's just a respect thing, and so and even just having that, in, yeah. So just having that awareness there, as you were saying, um, to not go too heavy in the beat. I know that's something that early on producers like this shit. I look at the early shit I used to make, and just like fuck, it just yeah. looks like hey man, someone's just found the folder of fucking sounds and is just throwing shit around, you know, there's just shit everywhere and it doesn't need to be that busy and that fucking complicated. You need to have space for the artist to fucking do their thing for the artist to take the journey, you know, to fucking lead it. Um, yeah, so, you know, you, and I think you've done that well, you left space, which, and it just feels like an old fucking like nineties fucking boom bap hip hop project. Yeah, no, that's, that's the feel we're going for. And I, I, originally it was going to be called home. That's what the project was going to be called because I always feel at home when I listen to old school hip hop and stuff. But then I suppose with all the soul and jazz inspired sounds and, and samples in it and everything, that's the name solstice came from, from that. Um, and I don't really can't, there's no like elaborate, like I sat there and I was thinking of like the summer solstice and I can't, there's no shit like that. I literally just sat on the couch and I was like, I don't like home, like the name home. Um, I was like, sounds like a fucking a soap. 
I don't want to soak. Oh, this is a project. <laughs> and I just came up with solstice and I was like, fuck, that is sweet. So I just went with solstice. That That's how it came about. But yeah, like it's, it just, it reminds me of like you go to, a, you'd be crate digging at a vinyl store and you'd stumble upon it and be like, oh, this old gem. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick that up for fucking five bucks in the specials bin but it's like the best five bucks you've ever spent do you know and that's the fear yeah Yeah. but that's what i want you know the amount of cool vinyls and old school vinyls and stuff you find that you're like why is this only five bucks i remember like people paying this much but but it's still timeless and that's that's sort of what we try i'm trying to capture with this so on that um when it comes to the production side of things is there yeah. a lot of thought that goes into, okay, I really want this project to sound like this, or is it more, let's let the, um, the music speak for itself. Let's let the influences come to me. Um, I think it's just, I think it's just becoming comfortable with yourself as a, as a producer, um, or as an artist in general, it's just, it, all the sounds in that came so natural like the, the, the actual putting them all together and, and what worked and what didn't, there'd probably be of each beat, there'd probably be about four or five different examples and different end products. But what yeah. you find, what you get at the end is what I liked. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, but it was, there was plenty of fiddling around and, and changing sounds. And there was a few beats there that, I really wanted on there that didn't make it. So, you know, they're still sitting in the library just waiting for someone to jump on. But um, yeah, it's just, it, I suppose it, it does come pretty, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I can't say it comes naturally every day. Like uh, I sit down some days and I'm like, your shit, you can't pick anything. You, <laughs> you can't find any sounds. Like, what are you doing? Stick to being a fucking chippy, your dog. Like I just get in my own head, you know, but, then other times I'll sit down and it's like, boom, that's the sound or uh, fiddle around with a drum pattern and be like, okay, I've got that now. And I just know my sound. Like I just know that that warm sort of vinyl crackly, like a old school feel, um, it just comes very natural. But I challenge myself. I try to make a lot of other stuff. I actually just made a, uh, I'll probably put it on my Instagram to be honest, probably today or tomorrow, but I just made an edit of a, do for love by Tupac, but I did it over a singer, Senegalese um, Afro beat type track that I made, which was just random. It's just got horns nice. and, and <laughs> you know, the horns and like little African drums and shit in it, but it was just a bit of fun, you know, so a bit of a challenge. And so like, what does your mixing and mastering process look like? Uh, I actually, oh, look, uh, that's a whole new, that's a whole nother level of, uh, going into things. I don't go, I don't delve too far into, I don't really have a lot of patience, um, <laughs> which is, I mean, I've gotten better, but like when I was younger, I didn't have patience. So <laughs> I didn't really stumble into that field too much. Um, I get someone to normally do it for me. Um, and it's someone who I like for this project. I've, I've got Adrian Swish who's done it for me, who I, I trust and, have met quite a few times and have listened to his stuff and, and studied his stuff. And, and I, and I like the, the outcome at the end of everything that he's ever put out. So I know my music's in safe hands with him and um, he's very flexible and, 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 and works towards anything that, you know, if I say, Oh, this, can we change this a little bit? But he's, he's always open to it. So, um, but yeah, mix and mastering is anyone who does anyone who actually engineers like 
hats off to you because I yeah I don't have the time I I I, I, I couldn't do it I couldn't do it it's just, really I've tried it. I've tried and I can't stand it I just That's I feel you man I feel you bottom. I'm on that page I'm on That's, that yeah. page it's my favorite thing to do in the world apart from like by <laughs> you <laughs> it. yeah it's just it's just hard I mean I, I just yeah and like I said anyone who does it hats off to you because uh <laughs> Yeah, I just I've tried before and I've it's been the closest I've it's, ever been to snap a, a MacBook. It's definitely heart, so. a different. It's a different. Uh, it's a different animal. It's like I think you either grow up wanting to find tones or you grow up yeah. wanting to 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 create the song. There's like two different sides to it. I yeah. Somehow I like doing both, but definitely I understand, and that's I think how I understand both of them is like the feeling that you get when you put a song together and complete a song is like, that's like nothing else, but it's a similar thing when you get a mix because mix, like you said, it takes, takes a lot of patience. You got to sculpt, the, yeah. got to like figure out where things sit in the different frequencies and all that. And then when it gets to the end, it's a similar feeling of, of um, like success and happiness that you've like, fuck yeah, I've got something finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that. That's the thing. I mean, I look at it like, like a painting and the person who does like the real intricate frame at the end, and it's like mm. you sit there with all your like your sounds or all your paints in your little art fucking palette thing <laughs> and you paint and you make the painting and whatever but on a canvas it's just a plain square canvas but you take it to this guy and he charges you an arm and a leg but hey it looks heaps better <laughs> and that's how you know like and that's and it and it but it's i think the thing too is it's the value you get for your money as well and and, you know, if you go to the ship frame bloke, you're only going to get like a fucking balsa wood frame. But if you go to the good bloke, he's going to carve something for you and he's going to take his time and, and, and be open to ideas. So that's, it, it, it's, it's like anything. If, if you appreciate your art, then you appreciate um, the bigger picture, you know, like you've got to be able to appreciate, appreciate and love the, the whole aspect of just creating a, a track or a project. Yeah. So. Agreed, man. Agreed. And, um, you know, I feel like as well, like it's, it's a game sticking to your strengths as well. Like you can be a jack of all trades, but like, you know, if your forte is in creating, then better to be a master at that than try yeah. and, you know, go down a route of being, you know, to getting into a field that you're kind of not so passionate about and you yeah. just kind of, you know, going through the motions of that. So I 100% agree because I come from that space as well. We're actually talking to a friend of mine on last week's um, podcast about a very similar thing where yeah. I've been in studios for 23 years of my life, but not once have I ever asked an engineer, what are you doing there? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. And it's, you just, yeah, like, I mean, everyone, people see artists and, and like people see J. Cole, for instance, and he'll, he'll write a track and everyone will be like, yes, like he's incredible. Then it'll be like in the credits, it's like, oh, he produced it and he played the guitar on it. And it's like, man, that, that dude's got fucking millions. Like if I had millions, I'd sit in the back room and play guitar fucking every day. So like he mastered something first. That's what you've got to do. You've got to master something first. Then once you've done that and it's second nature, move to something new and challenge yourself and, and start to master that, you know, that, that's how I view it anyway. So. Great. Yeah. And it's also, um, but I think it's uh, something that a lot of people and even me early on don't do is you either two options. One's you, one is you recognize that, fuck, all right, I'm out of my depths. And this thing called mixing and mastering is so fucking in depth that we need to get someone on to really give this track the fucking what it deserves. Like it's just going to sound better. Um, 
or you go down, all right, I'll just learn how to fucking mix myself. And that fucking, that rabbit hole. And I've seen a lot of people like producers, you start going down it and they're like, they toe with mixing for, you know, a couple of years, but mixing itself is such a fucking in-depth thing. Like you have to really fucking, it's like, as you said, people, people, some people just really want to know how shit works and how it sounds yeah. in audio. They just want to be that dude. And it's like, let them fucking be that guy. Um, yeah, something yeah, early on, you know, I know for some of our projects, we didn't fucking get other people to mix it um, out of a combination of fucking that headstrong, young, do it yourself fucking attitude. Um, and then uh, the other combination of just not knowing, um, you know, a lot about audio, what mixing actually was, how it fucking translates on systems, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think even, as you said, having that awareness to fucking get someone in for their skills, for their fucking ear, you know, it definitely, it just, it brings the fucking project to life. Mm. Yeah, 100%. An engineer can either make or break a track. Yeah, that's, yeah, the final mix I, I find is just, I remember getting told that by KY in Atlanta and he's one of the best to do it. And he said, an engineer could really make or break your track. Like you could have a fire track, but it doesn't, doesn't quite hit the same if you don't get it mixed and mastered or engineered correctly. So I'm, I'm always big on, I'd rather pay a little bit more and, and get it done quality than, um, than not pay and try and do it myself. And it just doesn't work, you know? Uh, it's, and you, and you find product. those people that you're, and you, you find those people along the way that you fucking work well with and shit just bounces and they get your fucking sounds and the frequencies work. So it just sounds super clean. You know, sometimes yeah. you work with other people, you're like, fuck, it just didn't quite hit. You know, I thought it'd be a sick combo, but it just didn't quite hit the mark. So, you know, the more you fucking collab with other people and go through that process, you kind of find your little lane and who, all right, man, fuck, this guy's good, really good if I give him these fucking trap tracks, man. Like he just knows where they fucking sit. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I totally agree. And then, and I've 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 delved with a couple other uh, engineers, and and don't get me wrong, they uh, props to them for doing what they do. But yeah, I just find that the guy who I normally go to, which is Adrian, he he um he yeah he never fails me, and and um he he's he's one of the one of the one of the better ones that I've or probably the best one that I've worked with thus far. So I always um try and stick true to comfort zone and, and continue working with him as much as I can. So, totally. Nice. I was going to say, I think it's good as well to um, to always have, oh, not always, but I think it's good, at least for me, I can say that, you know, having an, some, a fresh set, set of ears on it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. having that, uh, you know, a lot of the time is key because, man, when you listen to something over and over again, you miss things, you know what I mean? People think that when you listen to it over and over again, it, it sinks in more, but it actually does the opposite. So getting yeah. a fresh pair of ears on it, I think is, yeah, absolutely the way to go. It's a fucking great call there, coach. And especially yeah. hip hop, it's so easy not to do that because you're fucking working on your own so much. Um, but yeah, there's a great tip. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, always, um, there's always that thing of like, I know this song so well. It's my baby. Like I, I know where I think it needs to go and no one else can help me with it because they don't have my vision. But at the end of the day, that, that second set of years could be the difference between introducing a whole new thing that you hadn't thought about because you're stuck in your head. Um, and that could make a real difference. And I, I always think that that's super crucial things like pre-production 
having someone else listen to your songs before you actually record them to, I mean, it's kind of different in the hip hop world potentially because a lot of it is like you write and then you just track it. But in, in the, you know, in the live music, uh, like real, like, you know, guitars, drums, that sort of thing. Band. Real music studio. Yeah, I meant to say traditional. I meant to say traditional. Fuck. I meant to say traditional. In the traditional band sense, when you've got finished songs before you're taking them into the studio, pre-production is is such a huge part in making a song even better. So um, there's there's you know if if you are in the hip hop world and it's you know tracking straight away as soon as you've written the verse, it's super crucial that you know you don't just stick with that first draft. There's always there's yeah. always room to go with the second or third draft. Yeah, and it's always about who you got around you too. It's your team as well. Like, I've got a I've got a select few people who I'm very close with who I trust their opinions and I know they'll give me their honest feedback. Um, because if you just get pat pat on the back all the time, then you get a big head and you start to think that you're the best. And you know you need to be shot down sometimes, and you need to be told that that's not good enough or that's just that's not your best work or stay humble you can do better on that yeah and it and it, and it you trust me like constructive criticism opens up brand new doors to your production too because it and and just music in general i see it with even mcs that i work with and stuff you know we, we've got good relationships and they're open to certain things and i'm no mc but you know i might hear something and go what if you say it like that that might hit a bit, a bit different you know or you want you you know if you have this sort of presence on it and then all of a sudden you know they open up a whole new aspect of their creative side that they haven't opened before. And I do the same in my production. So it's just about being able to, to, to cop, I suppose, cop a spray, the old Aussie <laughs> way, cop a spray and just, you know, cop it on the chin and move forward. Cause you know, you've, you've got to have that to make you stronger. Otherwise you just don't grow as an artist. That's my whole business model right there, man. <laughs> spray, yeah. spray, spray. Yeah. Roach is the one usually know. delivering it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a way to go. It's a way to go. But, um, but no. Nice. It's well, it's good. Yeah. Well, we're running out of time. So do you want to give us a little bit of a, um, a quick run through of your socials, anything that you've got coming up? All that sort of info? Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose, like, I mean, I don't have Facebook. Haven't had it for a while. So just um, if you jump on Instagram, um, at Timo Supremo one um, that's where you'll find all my updates, edits, um, bits and pieces like that. Uh, we've got our first track coming out on the 29th of this month, which is a Thursday, which will be myself and, uh, myself and Hennessy, first verse, which is the first track off Solstice. Um, and yeah, there's a few other little things in the in the works with other artists, but I, I keep that close to sort of I keep that close to my chest until it's ready to ready to be shown to the world. But um, yeah, this just if you enjoy your hip hop, it doesn't matter what style of hip hop, whether it's your trap or your conscious rap or your boom bap. This is the uh, this is definitely a project for everyone, and and um, I'm keen to hear what everyone thinks, and and um, I hope that people love it as much as I do, and as much as um, the artists do who are on it as well so but no uh, it, like i said if you're ever looking for beats or you're ever looking to work or anything don't be scared to hit me up either on instagram i'm, I'm pretty friendly and, and pretty open to uh pretty open to collabing with people so awesome yeah. man well thank you so yeah. much for joining us dude no thank it's you for your pleasure. Awesome. it's nice to talk uh nice to talk proper music in kalgoorlie <laughs> we don't get that much here <laughs> so <laughs> uh it's nice it's nice to have an actual chat and uh yeah no Thank you very much for having me and um, yeah. Welcome, Good luck with the no release. Doubt we'll, thank you and no doubt we'll cross paths again soon. So 
Thank you. 100%, man. Coach. Uh, cheers, guys. Peace. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Thanks, right, everyone, you for watching. Cheers.